1: The presenting sponsor of today's podcast is Fifth Element CBD. Fifth Element is ultra-high milligram CBD focused on relief and recovery after a workout. They are specially designed for people with an active lifestyle, from weekend warriors to professional athletes to bucket list gym enthusiasts. Fifth Element, aka 5E, is full-spectrum high milligram hemp to help you whenever, wherever you need it, whether it's after the gym or after work. Get yours today to feel better tomorrow by visiting 5ehemp.com and use the promo code MONSTER for 50% off. Yes, you heard that right. 50% off. Half off. That's 5ehemp.com and use the code MONSTER. Go to 5ehemp and get 50% off. That's the number 5, the letter E, hemp.com.
0: You're listening to the Red Sea Podcast, part of the Over the Monster Network.
1: Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Hosted by Jake Devereaux. It's gone. It's in the bullpen. This game is tied. This game is tied. David Ortiz. David Ortiz. David Ortiz.
0: And featuring Keaton DeRocher.
1: It's a grand slam. I'm telling you.
0: Welcome back to the Red Sea Podcast. This is your host, Jake Devereaux, and today I am joined for episode 199 of the podcast, we think, uh, by Keaton DeRocher, of Over the Monster and the Dynasty
1: Guru. Keaton, what's up, my friend? Not much. Uh, about to get dumped on here. Gonna have like five to nine inches of snow overnight. That's uh, just starting. Got a little dust in action, so ready to... I mean, it's not like I have anywhere to go, but, um, you know, it'll be the first uh, snow that actually sticks of the entire year here in Chicago. So that is winter season
0: kind of uncommon. Isn't that for Chicago?
1: It is. Yeah,
0: that is quite odd. I remember uh, I used to have to go to Chicago for business sometimes. And I remember that uh, one of the times I was there, it was so cold they canceled school because it was like going to freeze children outside apparently
1: yeah was that um like 2015 2016
0: yeah something like that
1: yeah that was the the polar vortex where it was three consecutive days of uh minus 30 to minus 40
0: yeah it just didn't sound like a pleasant time to be (laughs) in that city so i'm I'm glad that uh we don't have that. And I'm also glad that the polar vortex of uh, the Red Sox offseason being frozen has, <laughs> uh, has stopped with yeah. the uh, Red Sox making three pretty substantial moves. Uh, since we last podcasted, we're going to spend all of today uh, dissecting those moves and going into what they exactly mean. So, you know, if you're. If you're one of those people who have been going and reloading uh, the Red Sox Fan Graphs roster resource page like I have uh, and just staring at it probably hundreds of times over this offseason, you can finally look at it and see some new stuff. So that's good. I'm, I'm really happy about this, actually, because we've been talking about the Red Sox lack of moves for a really long time. Um, so mm-hmm. let's. Let's get right to it, Keaton. Um, the three signings or two two signings in one trade uh, that happened since then, the Red Sox signed Enrique Hernandez to a two-year $14 million deal. They also signed Garrett Richards to a one-year $10 million deal with the 2022 club option. And then finally today, the most surprising move out of all of these, they traded for Adam Ottavino from the New York Yankees. Um, they're taking on $8.15 million of his $9 million salary owed to him through this season, 2021. Um, and they also got a prospect, pitching prospect, Frank Herman, um, as part of that uh, return for taking on that money. Uh, and the Red Sox only give up a player to be named later or cash considerations in this deal. Whew. They were busy. Um, apparently, Heim Bloom just waiting one week to do all the things. Um, you know, I'm kind of excited about all of these moves. Um, Same. But, yeah, but uh, you know, we're going to get into each and every one of them and and kind of all of the the different things that that go along with them. Uh, let's first start off with Enrique Hernandez because that's the first one. Uh, My question for you, Keaton, is where is he going to get playing time on this roster?
1: Second base. Um, I think he's going to get... Well, I think the bulk of it's going to come at second base. He's going to play all over, which is good news for the Red Sox. But he'll mainly be like the everyday second baseman. Um, He can play in the outfield. He can play other positions in the infield as well. Um, But the bulk of his action is going to come at second base, which uh, is good because he is a really fun player great clubhouse guy he also has a bunch of power when you know given the at bats to actually use it um so i know he's not going to hit for a great average but adding some power to the bottom of the lineup uh and pretty average to slightly above average defense at second base is uh something that they didn't have currently so um they got a utility guy that they can use in a bunch of different roles, and they got uh, what should be their everyday second baseman in this move. So I like it. I also like that it's a two-year deal. That, to me, signifies like that's their move for the position. Uh, It'll mainly be his, and then probably next year it'll transition to Jeter Downs, and then it'll be Downs.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think he's going to get most of the time uh, at second base. And I also think that, you know, despite the fact that Enrique Hernandez has shown some platoon splits over the course of his career. He's been better against lefties. He's career 263 average against lefties, career 222 against righties. Um, when he has had the opportunity to play every day, he's been much better against right-handed hitters. Uh, and though WRC plus marks for those splits are 120 versus lefties and 82 uh, versus righties. But he's been very vocal uh, this offseason about wanting to get a everyday role that being the biggest consideration when he was kind of shopping around for a team. He also has a relationship with Cora, um, for the team, Puerto Rico team. So, um, you know, there's, there's that connection there. He's just 29 years old, just a tremendous clubhouse guy, uh, as well, which we've talked about on this show before, which is one of the things that was so exciting about him, Uh, And he's literally played everywhere. He's played first base, second base, third base, shortstop, left field, center field, and right field uh, throughout his career. uh, Pretty much all with the Dodgers. Um, But, yeah, I mean, he can pick it for the infield. So I love this move from the glove perspective. Um, and, And, you know, I don't think it's actually too much money for a guy like this.
1: No, I don't think so either, especially the guy that you're expecting to be. That we're expecting to be the everyday second baseman, uh, two years, seven million a year, is quite reasonable.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And, um, you know, the other thing that I thought about this is that potentially, uh, if the Red Sox do end up not trading Andrew Benintendi, if he continues to struggle, um, in particular over the course of his career, Benintendi has been a better hitter versus righties, I could see. Uh Enrique Hernandez getting time in left field uh, when lefties are on the mound, too.
1: Yeah, it covers a lot of bases, um, I guess pun intended, for the Red Sox. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's for sure. I can see, you know, days off at at second base, shortstop, um, you know, third base even if they need to. All the upfield spots, it just seems like a good fit all around. Definitely good for the clubhouse chemistry. Um, Choosing this, though, definitely precludes the Red Sox, it seems like, from going after one of the um, other expensive or expensive-ish, I guess I should say, second base options on the market. Colton Wong and Cesar Hernandez, which were the two guys that we talked about more than we actually talked about uh, Enrique Hernandez. So um, what do you think about the Red Sox choosing Hernandez over Wong or Cesar Hernandez?
1: Well he was definitely cheaper than Wong. Um and he's kind of like you outlined, he's that Swiss army knife of a defender he can play all over the place. Um I think actually both um Hernandez and Wong have played center field, but um, they're basically just getting more for less out of Hernandez than they are with uh Wong with sorry, Enrique Hernandez <laughs> than they are with Colton Wong and Cesar Hernandez.
0: Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I think that uh, Cesar Hernandez might be slightly better hitter, maybe. Um, it's kind of debatable whether or not that's true. Um, I think that he's been better against righties over the course of his career, um, slightly, but I don't know. I, I, I think that I, I do like the the versatility. Um I think that sells it for me over Cesar Hernandez. I don't think the gap in bat is big enough. I would have preferred Wong still, I think, to to Enrique Hernandez. But I think you're right, Keaton. When, when the smoke clears, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Colton Wong ends up getting substantially more money than Enrique Hernandez got.
1: Yeah, I think the versatility at a cheaper price is what did it for the Red Sox.
0: And like you said, the underrated part of this whole thing is that if Jeter Downs is really pushing the envelope, he's ready to come up towards the end of the summer, or even at the start of next year, all of a sudden Enrique Hernandez becomes just an excellent bench bat.
1: Yep. He sure does. And, I mean, depending on what they do with Benintendi, like you said, he could end up in the outfield more often than not, um, and spelling other guys around the infield. He'll get his at-bats, for sure, no matter, um kind of where he's playing over the next two years but it's a perfect bridge to a guy that you're anticipating uh, being your second baseman for a while
0: yeah definitely um overall how would you grade this move if you had to do it on like a scale of I don't know a to a to f
1: b plus
0: all right all right I think that's fair um yeah um Maybe I'll go a little lower than you. I'll go B. Um, I like it. I'm, I'm happy with it. You know, I think that um, it's just about the best thing they could have done. Maybe the second best thing they could have done. So maybe just for the sake of being different, I'll go with a B. Um, I know that the next move that the Red Sox made, you will give an A, uh, so I won't even <laughs> bother to ask the grade. Um, but the Red Sox also picked up Garrett Richards, as we mentioned before. Um, Keaton, you have loved Garrett Richards for many moons now. Uh, we've been we've been knowing each other in the baseball uh, podcasting and, and other stuff realm for a long time. What is it that you like so much
1: about Garrett Richards? Well, you see, when he's healthy, which comes with – I mean, I think if you know who Garrett Richards is, you get it. He's so freaking good at missing bats, and his stuff is just so filthy that I can't not watch it when he's on the mound. And I've been hooked ever since he was back with the Angels. Um Was really hoping that the Red Sox would make a move for him. Um Last year, when he ended up, or year and a half ago, whatever it was, that he ended up in San Diego um, with like the uh, it's like a two year whatever deal. He, but he's here, so that's. <laughs> I mean, it took a little bit longer than I wanted, but he's here, uh, and he fills. I mean, the, we've been talking about how bad the pitching has been for. Uh, unfortunately, years at this point. Uh, last year, it hit a low, obviously without sale and Eduardo Rodriguez. Eduardo Rodriguez, we're getting back here. Sale. We have to wait a bit more, but uh, even with those two guys, the pitching rotation is kind of weak. There's, I mean, we got a question about this about what like the pitching staff looks like with Richards, and it's it has a non-zero chance of being maybe the best rotation in the division, there's just a much more significant chance that it's still bad because Aldi will get hurt. Uh, Eduardo Rodriguez doesn't progress like we hoped with a missed season uh, sale. When he, Immediately coming back from Tommy John is probably not going to be electric. Evaldi has his issues. Um, Richards also has injury issues. So there's a much... I mean, there's significant risks to it, but um, Garrett Richards being... Um, about 18 uh, or so, 18 plus months away from his Tommy John surgery, I think bodes well for the Red Sox because we've seen guys take time to adjust when they come back from TJ and they tend to get more along uh, the lines of what they were pre-surgery, 18 to 24 months post-surgery, which is pretty much the window where he is. Um, He didn't pitch terribly last year. Obviously, it could have been a lot better, but There are so many holes in this pitching rotation that you needed somebody. And even if you get like 120 innings out of him, um, it's still probably going to be 120 innings better than whatever your other plan was without him. So he fills a need and he has the potential to be really good. And uh, the Red Sox have that club option for 2022. If he is really good to pick him up for another year, which I also really love. So I love the acquisition of the player and uh, what well, the structure of the contract for the Red Sox, because if it turns out to be a good thing, we get to see him for another year. If not, then you know it's, it's not really a really big deal if he's gone.
0: Yeah, Keaton, I'm with you on this one, bud. Um, I didn't realize just how much uh, I liked this move until they made it, and I started <laughs> looking at him a lot more and then – Kind of comparing them to the the other obvious deal uh, that I think a lot of people are comparing them to because the money was similar. But Corey Kluber signing the eleven million dollar deal uh, with the Yankees, I kind of prefer Garrett Richards um, because with Kluber, I mean the dude has just not been healthy in two years, and I know that Garrett Richards has his issues, but a lot of those issues were tied to the elbow and the Tommy John. And as I started digging more into uh, the injury issues that he had a lot of that stuff was like kind of trying to avoid the surgery and then getting hurt again and you know stuff like that that it seems like this Tommy John should have taken care of um and the velocity is back i mean he's he's averaging 95 miles an hour on his fastball which is what he was doing when he was electric and you know a borderline ace um in the slider is still very good. And I think that he'll continue to get some additional bite on that pitch. I think that's the one to watch for. It seems like the fastball is back. It's, you know, it'll be interesting to see how good the slider ends up. But I mean, if, if those two pitches are working for him, um, that's really all he needs. He needs to show that curveball a little bit, but I mean, those two pitches make him a great pitcher. Uh, he's like a true talent, three and a half ERA type guy when he is right. So um, yep. I think th- that option, man, it's it's a really great option. I think that makes this contract for me, if this was just a one-year $10 million deal, I'd be like, yeah, this is another B move. But I think that this is an A- minus move or, or even an A move with the fact that they have the option there.
1: Yeah, and the Angels really didn't do him any favors and they kind of <laughs> had this, Uh, Habit of guys with elbow issues going for PRP injections instead of just giving them Tommy John surgery. And not one of the pitchers that they did that with avoided Tommy John surgery. It just delayed it. So, um, like, uh, Otani, uh, Andrew Heaney, Garrett Richards, there's one other that I'm forgetting. They're doing it currently to Griffin Canning. Currently doing it to Griffin Canning and also did it to Tyler Skaggs. And it's yep. not once has it avoided Tommy John surgery. So they didn't do him any favors. He finally got it. He's far enough removed from it now that he should feel much more comfortable on the mound. So I love it.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. This is exactly the window to buy him. But I think that it opens up a really interesting conversation. Um, the... Uh, Excellent account. Red Sox stats uh, tweeted out uh, the rotations for all of these uh, teams in the AL East after this acquisition. And this is what the Red Sox rotation looks like without Chris Sale to start the year. It will be Erod, Eovaldi, Garrett Richards, Martin Perez, Nick Pavetta. Once Sale comes back, Pavetta's probably out of that rotation. So Sale, Eovaldi, Erod, Garrett Richards, and Martin Perez um, if Garrett Richards is your four in rotation with Sale, Eovaldi, and Erod in front of him, I, I think there's a damn good argument that that's the best rotation in the division. And I think that's crazy to say um, versus what happened last year with this team where the pitching was about as bad as possible. But, like, am I crazy for thinking that?
1: No, I mean, if you're looking at it one through five, no. I mean, obviously Garrett Cole is better than any pitcher the Red Sox have. Tyler Glasnow is probably better than any pitcher they have. Hunjin Ryu is probably better than any pitcher they have. But the rest of the names down the line aren't overwhelming on any one of those. I mean, I'm not even going to bring the Orioles into it. I think we kind of know where they are. But the the Yankees, Rays, and Jays all really lose a step from one through five. Um if Martín Pérez builds off of the success he had in 2020, and he's your fifth, that's real solid.
0: Yeah, it really is. And and you know what? I think I'm more bullish on Chris Sale maybe than even you are. I think that Chris Sale, if he comes back from this TJ um, and looks like Chris Sale, even if he's not, you know, 2017 Chris Sale, if he's anything close to that, I think he's easily the best pitcher outside of Garrett Cole in the division. I would take him over Tyler Glass now. I would take him over Hanjin Ryu. Uh, I would take him over all of those guys, provided he's just healthy. So um, I love the upside here. I think that there's tremendous risk, though. I mean, Eovaldi, like we've seen a million times, we don't know what to expect injury-wise from him. Erod with the myocarditis, we don't know. Garrett Richards, hopefully he can stay healthy. There's a shitload of risk, but like, this is exactly the type of rotation that we wanted Bloom to build. A high upside rotation. Um, because this is this is what you do when you have a team that is kind of like in this in-between position. Is you get high upside players and hope that things work out.
1: Yeah, and they actually have some depth now too. They still have uh, Tanner Houck. Uh, who debuted last year. And when Sale comes back, then you have Pavetta and Hauk working however it is you want to work them in. Um, and that's something that's been missing from this rotation because when they've had guys get hurt or miss seasons, they haven't had anybody to replace them except like Brian Johnson for five years. Now they actually have some depth, uh, a little bit of like exciting depth that you think if one of these guys goes down, then Hauk can, you know, he's kind of already proved it that he can take on a load, I don't know, over an entire season, but a spot starts in the pen for sure. Um, And I think that leads into the next one, the next uh, deal pretty well. But I like the depth that the rotation has. Obviously, I mean, you laid out all the risks. There's risks from top to bottom. Um, But if it works or even just gets to like 85%, 80%, um, that's a real solid rotation. That's going to win games.
0: Yeah, it really is, and you, you know, you didn't even mention Connor Seabold and Brian Mata as being additional depth yeah. pieces too. So, I mean, this is the most starting pitcher depth that I can remember the Red Sox having uh, in the last five years, which is kind of crazy to say. But that it just wasn't a strength of the team for a long time. Even in 2018, right. uh, when they won a ton of games, it wasn't really a strength of the team. If if we're looking at the the obvious, I think contenders for the best rotation. Uh, in the division prior to this, though. We know that, you know, Toronto is strong at the top with Ryu, but it's kind of weak after that. Um The Rays lost three guys uh from their rotation last year. They lost Blake Snell via trade. They lost Charlie Morton via free agency. And they lost um the other pitcher, um, blanking on his name, to Tommy John surgery, Yanni Chirinos. So like, they go from Glasnow to, to Yarbrough to Waka, Fleming, and Richards. That's a big drop-off. And then with the Yankees, it's it's Cole, Kluber, huge question mark. Jamison Tyon coming off his second Tommy John surgery. Jordan Montgomery, who has yet to do it at a high level in the big leagues. And Domingo Herman coming off the suspension. Who knows? So there's just a lot of risk on these other teams, too. I would say just as much, if not more.
1: Yeah, um, I mean, given the Rays' success, I feel like Waka has done it at the Major League level. He just hasn't been consistent with it. Um, Yarbrough's all right. Glasnow's pretty good. I would say they probably have the least amount of risks, and the Yankees have probably the highest upside. But you're right, it's across the board. There's, no, there's not a sure thing 1 through 5 in the division at all, and it wouldn't shock me if um, you know, outside of the Orioles – any one of the other four ended up having the best best top five rotation, uh, one through five rotation in the division. I don't yeah. think it's clear cut.
0: I would agree. I would definitely agree. And the fact that you are even in that conversation right now uh, is, is nice. That is very refreshing. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah it's good. Very good. And now we can stop answering those questions on Twitter that we've been getting every time the Red Sox do anything. Does he pitch? Uh, Yes. (laughs) Garrett Richards pitches. There we go. Uh, This leads into the final and most surprising move. Well, I guess I should say, before we move on to that, do you think this is it for the rotation or do they try and add another sort of low-key, fringy
1: move? Yeah, it feels like it. I mean, if they really think – Pavetta can do something, and if they can't, you know they've already had Houck have three real solid outings to end 2020. Um, they've got options there for to rotate the fourth, fifth guy. Um, so I don't expect another move. Um, oh, we also forgot to mention the – man, I do not remember his name. The guy that they selected in Rule 5. Was it going to be a Pawtucket? Um, Whitlock or not. Yeah. Whitlock. That's the one, not Patake, but Worcester. But yeah, Whitlock also there. Yep.
0: Whitlock should be in the major league bullpen as a rule five pick so they can keep him on the roster. But yeah, he's definitely swing man type depth as well. All right. So uh, speaking of the Yankees, uh, the Red Sox and the Yankees made a trade today. They do not usually do this. In fact, they've done it like twice in the last 20 years. Um, so this was kind of shocking to everybody. Red Sox flexed a little bit of their financial muscle here, uh, picking up a quality reliever and a decent prospect from the Yankees. Uh, this was essentially a salary dump, dump from the Yankees, who uh, give the Red Sox Adam Ottavino, a very quality reliever, um, and the Red Sox take on eight point one five million bucks. The Red Sox, the Yankees, I should say, are going to cover eight hundred and fifty thousand of his contract. Um, they wanted to stay under the first level of the luxury tax, so that's why they did this. I remember two years ago on this show, Keaton, talking about how I wanted the Red Sox to sign Adam Adovino as a free agent on the market. I'm very happy with this move. What are your thoughts on Adam Adovino?
1: Agree wholeheartedly. Um, and it's pretty easy to look past what he did in 2020 in only 18 innings and look at, like, The five or six previous years and what he did with the Yankees in his first year and uh, to end his career with the Rockies. I mean, he's a stud. He's got a filthy wipeout slider. He's the kind of back-end reliever that we wanted the Red Sox to get two years ago. Again, just kind of a bit late to the party here. Uh, But they have him now in a bullpen that really needed back-end help. Uh, I don't think it's gonna take a whole lot to correct I mean it was just 18 innings, so it's really it's just really easy to write it off. Um, whatever issues he had, it's gonna be incredibly easy to struggle the Red Sox do great with guys whose best pitch is a slider. So I fully expect Autobino to be pretty filthy here at the back end of the rotation back in the bullpen, which is exactly what we've been wanting that. I mean, for longer than two years we've wanted help at the back of the bullpen. Uh, it was just two years ago Autobino was available and should have been on the Red Sox. So uh, I still want one more move in relation to the bullpen, but this is a significant step in the right direction for a bullpen that for years now has been pretty trash.
0: Yeah, you know, I I agree. Um, And if you look at his numbers on the surface uh, last year, 5.89 ERA, you might be like, well, what are we actually getting in this guy? Um, he had terrible BABIP block last year. 375 BABIP. His career mark in BABIP has been 306. Um, usually it's in the 200s the last couple of years. 284 in 2019. Uh, 240 the year before that. Um, skills wise, I mean, his skills interactive ERA via fan tracks, which kind of measures underlying metrics and how he actually pitched. It was 3.62 in 2020 versus 4.09 in 2019 when he had a just tremendous season with a 1.90 ERA. Uh, nothing stands out to me that says that he is a worse pitcher uh, than he was in 2019 or 2018. Uh, I think he's going to be tremendous.
1: Agree, completely. Yeah. this is a, this, I'd give this one another A.
0: Yeah, this was great um, and, and we should mention too the, the prospect that the Red Sox essentially purchased here uh, from the Yankees is is a guy who has a 60 fastball, a 55 change up um, a slider which is a bit of a work in progress, pretty good command. Um, you know this guy Frank Herman apparently seems like he could be anywhere from a very back end starter like a fifth fourth or fifth starter. Um, If everything kind of breaks right for him and if not, he seems like a pen arm. But still, um, you know, the Red Sox get somebody who was a former fourth round pick for essentially taking on a good reliever who they can actually use. Uh, So I see this as a smart move, win-win by Bloom. Uh, I really like it. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Um, where does he fit in the bullpen? Does he supplant Barnes in the closer role? Is he going to be a setup man for Barnes? Is he going to be kind of a fireman?
1: I mean, how do you see this whole thing playing out? I would like him to be the closer. Yeah. Um, I mean, Barnes is, uh, over the past two years, um, leads the major leagues in blown saves and he's 12 for 24, which is Poor, so I would prefer it if it was Adovino. Uh I know I don't think Adovino has really been given much run at all um, to save games. Not really. He had six saves in 2018, um, or seven saves in 2016. So yeah, not not much there. Yeah, um, but I've seen enough from Barnes that I think his role is better suited for the eighth inning. So I'd like to see Adovino close, but it wouldn't shock me if. Um, I don't think they're going to have standard roles and particularly we, I mean, we saw Cora wanting to use Kimbrel in more of a, just when you need the outs, get them. So I assume Adovino is going to be the guy that Cora uses to get outs at the end of games, whether it's in the eighth or the ninth, and they'll just kind of be interchangeable where first up will be Adovino and then, uh, in whichever scenario Barnes will finish it off. So if it's, you know, bottom of the order of or the eighth, probably going to see Barnes, if it's harder the order in the eighth, you'll probably see Ottavino.
0: Yeah, I I kind of think that they are going to mix and match. Uh, I don't think that they're going to give either one of these guys the solidified role, which I don't particularly like. I think we've seen that in the past. Bullpens do best when a player is given a defined role, uh, and I I do believe in that stubbornly, uh, and I actually think there is something to it. Um, it, like money aside, I would hope they would also go out and sign Colum a just to be the ninth inning guy um, and have Barnes and Ottavino and Brazier and whoever else steps up be kind of all over the place uh, relievers uh, whenever there's higher leverage situations. But, you know, if I had to guess, I would say that they are done in the bullpen. As far as like big money signings.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. Um, I mean, with their intention to stay, I'm assuming they're not going to (laughs) try. I don't think – I mean, yeah, sorry. I just kind of word-saladed that. I had like four thoughts in my mind. (laughs) Um, Sam Kennedy's interview earlier where they said they're not having an all-in approach. Uh, They're not going to go over any of the thresholds, and I don't think you can really add a superior reliever at the six mil in space they have. So – Although I'd like to see it, I don't think it's going to happen.
0: Yeah, I think that one of the ways that it could happen potentially is if you do end up trading Andrew Benintendi in part of that whatever package coming back for him uh, is a team controlled, you know, minimum salary type reliever uh, who could be someone who factors in towards the back end if, if that's part of the return for him. Um, I think that's the only way that they're really adding to this bullpen at that point. And I think that that kind of makes sense, though, because bullpen is one of those things that you spend on when you feel like you're kind of in, you know, you feel like your team has a shot. And I feel like the Red Sox are in a place in 2021 where, as Bloom said on his excellent interview on the Sox prospects podcast, which you should all go check out. Um, he said, you know, that he thinks they're going to surprise some people this year and they're going to be a hungry baseball team. But if the Red Sox find themselves in contention around the all-star break and pass that towards the trade deadline, like maybe they go out and acquire a closer and break through that luxury tax. But I think that that's the type of move that you wait on a little bit.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that.
0: All right, so let's talk about how the Red Sox are going to spend their remaining money. They are estimated uh, by the excellent Twitter account, uh, Red Sox Payroll, um, to have about $5.68 million in room before the first luxury tax threshold. Um, By my count, they still need a left-handed hitting bench option. Um, Mitch Moreland Is a name that comes to mind for me. Uh, Mitch Moreland could be a left-handed hitting complement to Bobby Dalbec. He had his three million dollar option declined um, in uh, at the end of this past season after we traded him to the Padres. Uh, Would you like to bring Moreland back, or do you have any other ideas for that left-handed bench bat?
1: Yeah, I'd be fine with it. I just wonder if uh, he has interest in coming back to a team that I don't think is going to compete. Um, I, I mean, know. we just, yeah, I mean, we just talked about their uh, rotation compared to the rest of the divisions. Maybe they'll, maybe they'll win a few more games than I anticipate them to. But yeah, I mean, I'd be fine that he fits the role that they need. So I think mean, it would make sense.
0: So two other names outside of Mitch Moreland that have been floated around for that type of role have been Marvin Gonzalez and Brad Miller. Um, both of those guys have a little bit more flexibility with where they could play around the diamond. Do either of those names entice you more than Moreland? Or do you like the fact that he's got familiarity with Boston, is coming off a really good season?
1: No, I like Moreland better than those. Um, I mean, we saw what he can do when he gets hot. Um, and he really adds to this lineup. Um, the other guys, I'm not really sure. I mean, I guess Marwan Gonzalez has been okay recently. Brad Miller, I don't think he's really done much. Um, I would just rather have a guy that's familiar. We know he's good in the clubhouse, too, and he fits and gels with Cora. So I think he would, Mitch Moreland would make more sense.
0: Yeah, and and then that bench becomes kind of interesting. So the bench would presumably be Ploiecki, Arroyo, Chavis – or not Chavis, Ploiecki, Arroyo – moreland and then i don't know i don't know who that last piece is maybe it's somebody who's not on the team right now maybe it's Jairo muñoz um i think that what this does though is this signing with enrique hernandez it kind of makes michael Chavez's roster spot feel like it's pretty in doubt especially since he's a right-handed bat
1: yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, he has options, so he can start in AAA or go down, make room in AAA, however they need him. Um, but, I, yeah, I mean, I think 2020 was really his chance. Um, but the Red Sox are patching holes that are the positions he can play. Um, like Kiki Hernandez, for example, can play every position that Javis can. Uh, and I, I'm going to guess that Hernandez is going to be the preferred option. Uh, unless he needs a day off. So, yeah, it seems like Chavis, uh, his window is shutting.
0: Yeah, I would kind of agree. Um, For the 40-man roster, though, we have some interesting question marks now because the Red Sox um, used C.J. Chatham's spot on Adam Ottavino. They still need to clear three guys off the 40-man in order to make room for the other three acquisitions, including Perez, uh, who do you think is going to be cut off of this roster? Off of the 40-man?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it's the, the bottom relievers. Um, I mean, it feels like they have a 40-man crunch, but they really don't. They've got like three or four names of terrible relievers that they can make room for, these guys. Uh, and that's kind of the moves that I would expect to happen. Um, I don't think, I think honestly, I think Chavis is going to end up on the bench, um, in some capacity, but it wouldn't shock me if he also started in, um, AAA for the year, but the guys that are going to go are going to be relievers because they just have too many bad ones on the 40 man that really are going to be missed.
0: Yeah. I think it's going to be, I think it's definitely going to be Jeffrey Springs and Marcus Walden as two of the, Casualties, I think the discussion gets really interesting with Colton Brewer and Josh Taylor. Um, I kind of think they want to keep those guys. So, man, it's maybe Marcus Wilson. You know, I could see that, that name going as well. That would be my guess, I guess, is Marcus Wilson and then Springs and in, in Walden. I think those are the casualties.
1: Yep, I would agree.
0: Unless they do something with Pedroia, then, you know, that that becomes a different discussion. But, you know, that's that's one that we keep having and waiting for a shoe to drop there. Um, but, you know, it still kind of persists. So uh, we'll see what happens with Petey. Um, before we get to listener questions, I do want to wrap up the discussion of all of these moves by – Talking about the Benintendi rumors a little bit, and it, it's kind of gone up and down. The Red Sox have shopped them; it seems quite actively. Um, if the Red Sox are to to end up trading Benintendi in his six point six million, um, that'll give them a little over twelve million bucks to play with. Uh, would you, if you were Han Bloom, um, blow past that? Luxury tax level and sign Ozuna to replace Ben Intendi in left field
1: Yeah I would But they're not going to I mean after um, You know I'll bring it up Again Sam Kennedy's interview Where they're not having an all in approach To this offseason that's why it's been slow Uh, And the moves that they made Are the ones that they made I don't think Ozuna's on their radar at all Yeah
0: I don't Know it's I, I go back and forth on this because, you know, on, on one hand, Keaton, I don't think that they would – they wouldn't exceed it by much if they did, right? And I think that they could potentially go under it again next year. So reset those penalties again based on just free agents leaving uh, or, or contracts ending um, after next year and then get back under that mark. So I'm not sure it would be the worst decision financially. I mean, I would I would do it too. Um, I'm totally with you. I mean, I wrote about it at Over the Monster last week, and I think you should all go out and read that because I wrote it. Um, but, you know, that's another consideration. Like, why not go over for a few million bucks if you think you can reset the following year?
1: Makes sense to me, man. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I guess I'm preaching to the choir by uh, talking about the Red Sox pulling past the luxury tax. But, yeah, I, I just think there's so much opportunity there. If you can get him for a reasonable figure, I don't know, man. I, you just got to do yeah. that. Yeah,
1: and it's not like he would be one year and then he's gone. You would be locking him up for, I mean, I would guess like at least four. And so as you reset next year, he's still your outfield for the future. Makes all the sense in the world to me. I would do it. I just don't think they're going to.
0: Yeah, you're probably right, but you know what? A guy can dream. A guy can dream. Um. So yeah, let's let's just figure that they add Mitch Moreland to this mix. Um. I like this team a whole hell of a lot better than I liked it last week. I'll tell you that.
1: Yep, I do too.
0: All right, well, let's get to some listener questions here. We got a lot today, so there's some pretty good ones as well. Our uh, first question comes from. Uh, go hooky yourself. And he says, "Why on earth does a billionaire running a multi-billion-dollar sports group need to divest money from a two-year, fourteen-million-dollar deal?" Uh, record. Uh, he's referring to the deferred money, uh, in the Kike Hernandez uh contract.
1: Because they they don't want to spend money, so if they can spread it out, then it'll make them feel better.
0: Yeah, I th- I think just basically uh, that you know that's 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 the basic part of it, uh, and you know what he was willing to take that deferred money too, uh, to presumably probably get a little more than he would have without deferred money. So that's why a guy like Hernandez is willing to do that as well.
1: Also, what what did you say his handle was? Uh,
0: I think. Oh, it's. Go fook yourself. That's what it is. Go fook yourself. Yeah. (laughs) I I, I definitely misread that handle. Uh, (laughs) There we go. Um, Next question comes from Baseball Bell. And she says, uh, does anybody know anything about truck day and when pitchers and catchers report? Uh, Please add this to my previous queries. Love the show. Listen all the time on my drive to and from work. Uh, Thank you so much That's a really nice compliment We appreciate that Um, Keaton, do we have dates for truck day And pitchers and catchers?
1: No, it's actually been a lot of that going around today um, On what is their uh, Or just what is the general plan For spring training And if it's even going to start on time Mm -hmm. Uh, And so since that's up in the air I don't think we know Okay
0: yeah, we'll, we'll try and look into that and definitely get back to you. And once we figure that out, uh, since you are a regular listener on the podcast, we'll make sure that we announce that because that's a date we always get excited for as well. Right now, it's kind of seeming like it's trending towards regular time. Um, so that would be kind of around the February 18th-ish mark for pitchers and catchers, if I recall correctly. Um, so yeah, something around that, but we will definitely look into it. Um, Next one comes from Angel Rondon. He says, can you rate the Ottavino trade in a grade scale? Boom, already done. Uh, Next one from him says, if Red Sox and Pedroia settle, how would you spend his 12000000 bucks?" million? I'd spend that shit on Ozuna, man. How would you spend it?
1: I would go for an elite reliever. Okay, who's your elite reliever? I don't know. It would have to come through a trade, but I just imagine that they would have a more expensive contract than... Like five million dollars. So I have no idea, but I'd find one. Yeah, kinda like
0: that. Uh next one comes from Ivan L. Apex, who has another trade scenario for us. He says, Would you take Lorenzo Kane's contract? Two years, thirty five mil. If it gets you Josh Hader at a prospects discount, let's say those two uh for Gilberto Jimenez, Thad Ward, and Jay Grom. Uh, yeah, I freaking love Lorenzo Cain's defense, uh, and Josh Hader at the back end of this bullpen for three prospects, um, yes.
1: Yeah, I would do this in an instant, but there's no way Milwaukee is.
0: No, I don't think so. I think you trade, you would never, if you're Milwaukee, I don't think you're attaching Lorenzo Cain's contract to Hayter. You want to get maximum return for Hayter but if if that ever happened I mean, Lorenzo Cain, man, is still at at his age Um, he can still play just crazy defense out in center field so I I love
1: that Yeah, the thing with Milwaukee is they know what they have in Hayter and they've been trying to trade him for like three years but the price is astronomical because he's stupid good
0: Yeah, He's still really, really good Um, Next one comes from Baseball Bell again and she says, uh, Jaron Duran named MVP of the Puerto Rican championship game. Is he definitely going to play in the Serie de Caribe uh, and is he ready to come up immediately if JBJ does not resign? What's happening with the JBJ sitch? Um, So I asked around about this. um, I actually asked my friend Ian Kundle uh, over at Sox prospects. And, and he didn't know about the uh, series carry Bay, um, whether or not Jared Duran was going to play there. Um, it seems like he likely will, but we just don't know yet. I feel like all my questions uh, answers to you are, are just, we just don't <laughs> know. Uh, but unfortunately that's kind of where we are uh, with JBJ. It does seem like he's trending towards playing on another team next year. Mets is a very likely destination. And uh, I would say Duran probably needs some time against uh, the minor league competition, specifically at the A level, to see uh, if his new swing plays in live games.
1: Yeah, I don't think he's far off. But I also think that um, JBJ is going to be getting like 10, 12 million bucks. And that would put him over the first threshold. There of the CBT and I don't think they want to do that. So I don't think he's coming back. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's that's kind of the feel that we're getting right now. And also Verdugo, man, I mean, he can play center field um, and I think he can do it at a pretty good level um, and he's very valuable there uh, considering the bat that he has. So it's good. But Jaron Duran, he's the one to get excited about. He had an absolute tank in the uh, Puerto Rico uh, championship game. For Kagas. So, um, yeah, it's it's exciting stuff. You gotta love Jaron Duran Twitter these days. It's uh, some of the best Twitter going around. Next question comes from the big man. He says, I've got two questions. Does Schilling have a shot? And in, uh, in some fantastic, angelic uh, scenario, I think we could possibly have an elite rotation when Sale returns to form. Erod pitches to his high potential uh as an ace and richard somehow resurrects his arm and pitches like 2015 uh so with chilling i think he's talking about a shot at the hall of fame do you think he has a shot at getting into the hall of fame this year
1: it doesn't look like it this year i don't i mean the last i saw um it didn't seem like anybody was gonna get voted in has that changed
0: I don't know, the, the most recent figure that I saw reported was that Schilling was on like 73% of ballots, or like 73% um, with 80% reported. So I think that Schilling does have a shot. Um, I don't know how good of a shot that is. I I, th- I think he's pretty damn close, um, despite the fact that, you know, he says crazy, awful stuff online. <laughs>
1: Yeah, and I mean, he should be in as terrible of a human he has been post his playing career, or maybe he was as terrible of a human when he was playing. He's still stupid, good at baseball, uh, and kind of deserves to be there.
0: Yeah, from a pure baseball perspective, absolutely. And if you start excluding people from the hall based on character, uh, I think that that's. They got some
1: people be. to rescind first.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's going to be a pretty empty place. Yeah. Um,. But yeah, in terms of rotation, I mean, I'm so with you on this, man. I think that there's a pretty interesting, I'll put it at like 15%, they end up having the best rotation in the division. But there's a possibility. Yep. Certainly agree. Uh, next question comes from DB Livin, but it's actually not a question. He says, opening day outfield should be Benny Duran and Verdugo. No other moves need to be made. Apparently, a lot of faith in that Duran uh, performance in Puerto Rico. What do you think of this? Do you agree with him, or would you uh, pump the brakes a little bit?
1: Yeah, I think it's a tad aggressive on Duran. I think you're right. He needs a little bit of seasoning. And you have, I mean, I, I think I agree that no other outfield moves need to be made unless it is trading Benintendi to get an upgrade. Um, that I would be for, but I, I just don't think that's going to happen either. Um, So it's going to be Benny, Verdugo, and Hunter Renfro with Duran debuting at some point. I think
0: people still underestimate just how big of an upgrade it would be if you brought Ozuna in instead of Benintendi. Like, that would transform this lineup.
1: Yeah, but that's also not the problem, though. Even in a, a year where Devers struggled and Benny struggled, They still had, like, the seventh most runs in baseball. But it would be fun as hell. It would. I agree. And (laughs) seventh still leaves room for improvement. So,
0: Yeah. I I think it could be really the best. Um, All right. Final question comes from Seth Day, and he says, How many more moves do the Red Sox need to make to compete in the division? I would say two. Well, three. Um but I will let you go first.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say two. So what is what is your third?
0: Uh so my three to compete would be uh sign Mitch Moreland, uh sign Colame, and uh sign Ozuna uh while trading for Benintendi. So I guess that's technically four transactions uh, but three signings.
1: Alright. Yeah, okay. I mean I think the lineup is good enough, it's just the pitching, which uh well, I guess my third move would just be health. But that's still like another uh back end reliever and pitching depth and then health. Health would be great. Health is always great. Here's to health. Indeed. All right.
0: Uh, Well, here's to another podcast in the books, episode 199. Uh, We thank you all very much for joining us and making us part of your commute or your day or whatever you're doing, your gym routine. Uh, We do appreciate that. Uh, If you want to, uh, it would mean a lot to us if you went on and gave us a five star review on iTunes uh, or wherever you're listening to your podcast. Let us know if you enjoy it um you know if there's anything you'd like us to talk about you know you know always reach out on twitter you can find keaton at the spoken keats you can find me at, at uh, jake you can find the over the monster account at, at over the monster and uh, we'll be with you again next week so thanks a lot